Welcome to David Nagel's Art of Success Business School. You are about to get a glimpse behind the curtain of David's massively successful income acceleration principles as he shows you how to approach your business with innovative growth strategies that are grounded in accurate thinking and result in high-end sales. And here is the man himself, David Nagel. Over here. Uh, Brandy Edwards from Kansas City, Missouri. My question is, and I think my maybe like the gift and the curse of the art of success is the idea that once you gain this awareness, you can't turn it off. So, so in its own That's way, true. I mean, whether you're going an inch or a mile at a time, you're moving forward. So my question is this, and I think, again, what the driving force for me is, is I have a four-year-old, she's going on five. And for myself, I can see, you know, with the new awareness that I've gained, um, where I've lived in limits, you know, uh, where I've lived in this box, I can see it. But it breaks my heart, the idea of raising something or raising someone, someone uh, who, could, who could potentially repeat this same, this, this, this same curse. I mean, I see it in my mother. I mean, I believe in generational curses and generational blessings. You know, and I, I see it in my mother. I saw it in my grandmother. And so um, I'm a single parent. We live in a state with no family or anything. And so it's a little frustrating, you know. And she was talking, and I'm like, oh, Lord, just be quiet. Please give me five minutes. And she said, well, when you were my age, you wanted to talk, too. <laughs> and, I said, and it's funny, because when I turned 25, my mother had given me this box she found in the attic with just old memorabilia and different awards, you know, different things. And I found a letter that I had written to myself, or I had written, and I couldn't have been any more than five years old. And in the letter, it just said, I just want to talk. And everybody keeps telling me, shut up. I mean, everything's misspelled, so I know I can't be older than five. But this letter is in there, and I can't find the letter to this day. I mean, I'm over 25 now. But the, the point I'm saying is, so when she said that, it just clicked. And, you know, and I realized your parents don't know what they don't know. You know, and I thought about the J-curve. And I know you mentioned, so my question in saying all of this was that you mentioned how you have an older set of children, and then you have a teenage daughter. Is that correct? Two. Okay, two teenage daughters. So, obviously, you didn't know what you didn't know with the older set. So how do you raise them? I mean, what is your process in parenting where, where you're not repeating, you know, your old patterns? Is it through example? I mean, you know, is it, or is it something you are consciously doing, consciously not saying or consciously saying? You know, what, what's your parenting Well, I think process? it's both. I, I, I definitely think it's both, right? You've got to become conscious of the behavior to change it first. But then once it's integrated in your own personality, it's just the way that you are. So like Joe and his older sister, when they were little kids, I mean, it was all about how are we going to keep the lights on, you know? And that was their experience of money. That was their experience of what life was like. And it, that was perfectly normal. And we didn't take vacations very often. We didn't go out very often. You know, I would take Joe fishing, uh, you know, stuff like that. We just didn't, we had no money. But his two younger sisters have had a completely different experience of life than he had as a child. You know, we go to Europe, there's never, money is never an issue. And they, so their experience of that is completely different. It's just totally different. They don't see me cutting coupons out. They don't, we don't do that stuff. Even as much as the conversations around money and those types of things. But 
the, the foundation of what causes all that, I think, is the same. I mean, Joe's one of the hardest workers I know, but he got a good work ethic from me and his mom because his mom and I have been working since we were 13 years old, and we're not afraid to work. We, we like to work. So he has a very good work ethic. My two younger kids have a very good work ethic. It's always been part of who we were. So if you take a good work ethic and you combine it with not being afraid of money and more of an entrepreneurial spirit, you've got a winning combination. How do you, because my mindset is so much different than others, and I, I kinda, I, I'm conscious of my conversation about money and different things, and I can see myself in her. But then she has a father, and then she has a grandmother, and, you know, and other people and teachers that, that see the world differently. So yeah. is it your intimate conversations with your girls? I mean, yes, I, yes, there are. And there's, a, there's intimate conversations, and they see what, how I view life. And they also have the polar opposite in their life. There's people that are in their life that don't believe what I believe, and including teachers, including friends, you know, stuff like that. So I made a decision a long time ago that... And if you really think about this, it's true. Anything that you try to push on somebody, they, they push back, right? Especially teenagers, you know? So my philosophy is I'm going to live my life the way that I want to live it. I'm just going to be an example for the contrast. They've got to make a choice at some point. But if it is a non-threatening experience, it doesn't become something that they reject. You see? And the same with people. I mean, yeah, definitely. I can see definitely teenagers and children, but I, yeah. 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 Okay. So as they get older, what I can see is they make more and more of an abundant choice for themselves because it's never been a threatening experience to be in my experience. If it was a threatening experience to be in my experience, it would probably be rejected. Right? So I don't say you have to think this way. You have to think positive. You have to think the truth. You know, I don't shove anything down their throat. I let them experience what life is like by me making those decisions, right? Just as anybody really is letting their children experience what life is like by the decisions that they're making. The children learn more through watching what you're doing than what you're telling them to do. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. So it's really about giving them a completely different experience and allowing them to make a choice. I realized that one, like my brother is very different from me. My brother's traditional middle class, working class guy does not believe the things that I believe and absolutely no intention of doing that. And he suffers the result of that in his life all the time. And I very often ask myself, what the hell is the difference between him and I? We came from the same damn parents. We lived in the same house. It's just that I'm four years older than him. And I think one of the things that is a little bit different was that there were some experiences that I chose to be a part of growing up that he chose not to be a part of that gave me a different view of how life could be, and he didn't have those experiences. So they were never seeds planted in his mind at a younger age. I had a couple of experiences that allowed me to see what a wealthy lifestyle would actually look like, just by a couple of choices that I made, that I got a chance to actually experience that, you know, be in somebody's house or ride in somebody's car or, you know, see some things that were a little bit different. And he didn't make those choices. He made a choice to 
do something else. So those, those initial seeds that would cause you to ask questions about, this is interesting how this person lives different than I live, what, what the hell would cause that, you know? Th- those were never planted in his mind at a very young age, to the best of my knowledge, you know? So you have to ask yourself, it's the little teeny things that can really cause a person to make the big changes later on in life that you, know, that you get to experience. So allow, you know, really try to be an, ex- an experience of abundance and truth and prosperity in your daughter's life and not so much telling her how she has to think. You know, let ch- children like to make up their own mind if you just give them the choice. And as long as they're really not doing anything that's totally detrimental, I don't believe that you should really get involved in taking their choice away, you know, because they never learn to make a decision. And it's good for a child to experience the consequence of their decision. That's how they learn to exercise it prudently, by being able to experience the consequence of their own, child, their own decision. Too many parents want to run out there and take the consequence away because they don't want them to get hurt. You're welcome. All right. Let's move forward here. With knowledge, you're free. With ignorance, you're imprisoned. If we don't think that we can, we won't. If we don't think that we can, we won't. So we really have to begin to think to ourselves, do I even really believe something's possible? Again, it's about looking at starting where you really are. It's about gaining clarity in these areas. Because if you really do think it's possible and you're not doing it, the question is, do you really think it's possible? So you've really got to question maybe what you've actually been telling yourself for a long time. If you run around and say, oh, I believe that's possible. I believe I could do that. I believe that. But you're not doing it. You don't believe it. So telling yourself that you do is not something that's productive. You're actually causing more of a problem because you're not getting to what is the reason you're not actually making a change. This, my mentor showed me this 20 years ago, and when he showed it to me, he said, what do you see here? And I said, well, it says, know thyself. And he said, well, it's pretty obvious nothing gets past you, David. And I said, he said, but if you look at it a little closer, what do you see there? And I'm looking at it, and I'm going, I don't, I don't know, Bob, it says, know thyself. What the, what, what, what is it? And he says, if you look closely, it says basically, know thy high self, right? And the idea is that we really have two sides of ourself. We've got the side that is conditioned to be the person that we're being on a daily basis. And we have the higher side of our nature that is in harmony with the idea of success, where success really does become easy because it's what we're programmed to be. That is the higher side of our nature. The lower side of our nature complicates things, makes things difficult, tells us why we can't get there, makes us slow down, makes us afraid to make decisions, causes us to want to be special. The higher side of our nature really is where the possibility is. Now, what is happening, what's going on now, some of the questions, we've had some really good questions about like society in here this morning, is that really, if you look at, if you will, if you will stop for a moment and look at what's going on globally from 
a truth perspective, you can actually see what's happening is very good. It's really very good. It doesn't appear to be good, but it is good. And it's good because what it's saying is that even though there are countries that are doing things that are dysfunctional, change is underway. And you have to go through the dysfunctional to get to the functional. You see? You have to remember that if you came from England into this country, you were a criminal. You know? The people that started our country were criminals. The people that started Australia were basically criminals. You see? Because we thought differently than somebody else did. We said we wanted something different. Most of the freedoms that we have today were outlawed at one time. We would have been hung, shot, our hands would have been cut off or flogged or some crazy-ass medieval torture thing for things that we believe are right and wholesome and of our highest values that we hold dear to our heart today. At one time, they were blatantly illegal. But the higher side of nature always keeps showing through. It's like you cannot stop nature from evolving. It's going to keep doing it no matter what you do. It doesn't matter how many walls you put up, it will break them down. You know, it's like the little dandelion seed that gets stuck in the crack of your driveway and busts open the driveway, and then you've got to have the whole driveway replaced because the little seed did so much damage. Right? You cannot stop the progression of life from moving forward. It is the more life philosophy that Wallace Wallace talked about in the science of getting rich back in 1903. All nature, everything in nature, and we are part of nature, is always moving towards more life. Therefore, everything that is not part of life must fall away at one point or another. Even if we create institutions to try to keep it alive, it still must come crashing down. Because somebody at some point in time will challenge it. So the three areas that we have the biggest problems, God, sex, and money, are the things that keep being re-challenged over and over and over again. It's also the areas where we keep being punished over and over and over again. In some areas of the world, you're still put to death if your expression of God is the same, if your expression of sex is different, if your expression of yourself in order to, to gain money is different. The penalty is still death, or humiliation, or ridicule, or some kind of torture or punishment. And the human being keeps on moving towards freedom. But because this is the foundation of who we are, once we embrace it, we find out that success really is easy because it is the natural state of the human being to be successful. You couldn't even be in a physical body unless that was true. Now, we have to understand what we are at a core level so that we can work with the higher side of ourselves. So on a foundational level, first and foremost, we're spiritual beings. That's what we are. Spiritual beings, you hear that you know, spirit is one with everything. Well, unless you understand what that means, it sounds either really woo-woo or like a cool ideal, but you have no idea what the hell it means. We're, that we're one with everything. 
If you understand that all the knowledge that ever was is 100% equally present in every place at the same time, and that spirit is nothing more than a different name for energy, you realize that all energy is connected to each other. There's no line of demarcation between where one energy starts and another one stops any more than where the air turns into the ozone and then, you know, just on there into the outer space. It just keeps going and going and going and going. So that means that there's nothing that actually separates you, even though you have skin on your body, from all the knowledge that's actually out there. You're part of all of that. You're part of, of actually of everything. The idea of you being separate from it is basically an illusion. And the more aware that you become that you are, the more aware you become that you can and that you actually have. When I say that you already have the money in your life, everybody in the planet's got the same amount of money and that they're just not aware of it, this is the foundation of where that belief comes from. So let me bring it into simpler terms. Everybody on the planet has the same amount of air. You don't see people running around shoving air into mason jars, do you? You're going to save some more air. Don't let this guy over here get any more air than me. Get away from me. I need a coupon for air. Right? We all have got the same amount of air. But I'll tell you what, if they started broadcasting on the news that we were running out of air, you would see people do some crazy shit. They would. They'd be people that would be bottling air, you know, getting tanks of air, putting it in their garage. I've got, how many tanks you got? That's the kind of stuff that we would be doing. See, but we don't have a belief right now that there's not enough air. You look at wherever we have a belief of lack, you will see a belief of hoarding take place. But money is just like air. There's enough of it for everybody to be wealthy. That's it for this episode of David Nagel's Art of Success Business School. If you're a business owner who's hearing more no's from ideal clients than expected, go now to www.salesstrategyreview.com to claim a complimentary one-on-one -on -one session with one of David's trained sales coaches and learn what you can do right now to accelerate your sales and income. We trust you enjoyed this edition of David Nagel's Art of Success Business School. And until next time, just believe.